blanket uh, in the upper seating. Uh, we have taken out quite a few of the chairs that were up there, and more will be taken out as this week. Uh, should be new theater seats coming in to increase our seating capacity and the ease of getting in and out of each of the rows and uh, things like that. But that doesn't mean you all need to move up to the top uh, section either uh, because we need you down front. Just bring more people with you is what that's all about. We're increasing our seating capacity, but as I said last week, it's not about seating capacity. We are endeavoring to increase our sending capacity as we send people out of this church and uh, continue to make a difference, not just in the Hendricks County area, but also around the world. So thank you for your giving today that makes a difference in lives like Renew and so many others. It was awesome to be able to meet her personally when I was in India a few weeks ago. And uh, I can assure you that it's exciting to think of us as a church being able to rescue more renews, more people, because God renews us. It's just such an awesome name. Uh, I don't know how she got that name. It was, <laughs> it's awesome uh, because it just makes a difference uh, in, in how we uh, look at life when we are renewed in Christ. And uh, would you say amen, amen. to that? And uh, so today, get excited, get ready, uh, because I don't know where you are in life, but I do know that God has more for us as we step into what He yet has for us. You believe that? And, and so today, we're going to look at a story as we continue on this series that God's using in our church to build our faith. Uh, if you're new to us or you're listening by podcast, we are going through a series on the book of Elisha, who was a prophet who followed in the footsteps of Elijah. And as he walked in those footsteps, his faith, uh, his uh, being used of God uh, grew in capacity and even beyond what uh, Elijah, his predecessor, had done. And so what we're learning is how can we also walk in those footsteps so that we can uh, walk in the footsteps of faith and our faith can grow and we can see God move in our lives in great and mighty ways. But we don't always feel that way. How many would acknowledge that? Right? There, there's just sometimes, have you ever felt this way where you feel like maybe I'm not enough? As a parent, you ever felt that way? Like nearly every day? Um, have you ever felt that way as an employee or maybe as a friend to somebody else that you just feel like, I just feel like I'm, I'm not enough? And, and today we're going to look at a woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, and uh, her story uh, just really lines up with this. And so if you feel overwhelmed and you feel like you have too many responsibilities, that there are 
challenges everywhere and sometimes you feel like your life is running on empty, that you wish you had more energy, you wish you had more time, you wish you had more faith. Maybe you're a guy that's here and you say, oh, I just wish I had more money. I mean, I've got retirement planning. I've got all these things I should be doing, but I'm not doing those things and I don't think I'll ever get out of debt. It just seems so overwhelming to me. Or maybe you're a lady and you're here and you would say, I have so much responsibility on my plate right now. There's so much to accomplish. I feel like I need more hours in my day, but you can't make that happen. I just wish I could get it all done, but I don't think I'll ever get it all done. Or maybe you're a 15-year-old, and life just seems really stressful already. And you think, if I'm carrying this much stress at 15, what am I going to be at 25? And, and I just have so many decisions on my plate right now. There's so much uh, to decide. I, I, I've got a career to plan out. I've got college to think about. I've got, you know, what am I going to do? And, and, and then my, my situation and relationships, that's all stressful. And it just seems so much to handle. Am I getting close to anyone? Second Kings chapter 4 and verse 1. We'll pick up where we left off last week with the prophet. He's accomplished uh, some great miracles at this point, so he's not an unknown. Uh, he is out now, and uh, people know of how God is using him, so let's see what happens next. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. And she says to him, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I want you to notice that phrase. What do you have in your house? So this is where we're really going to go today. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small, small jar of olive oil. And so we're going to look at how we can get in motion today because uh, this is a desperate situation. Would you agree? I mean, she's got a, a desperate deficit I don't know if you've ever been there where, where the deficit just seems so big. I don't know what the deficit is in the United States right now, but it just seems impossible. And, and sometimes you can feel like your own deficit is impossible. Now, we don't know this woman's name. If you want a little background to the story, the Bible doesn't really identify this lady uh, all we know is her husband was a prophet. Some have speculated, as a matter of fact, Jewish tradition, such as Josephus and other ancient writers, if you're familiar with them, have indicated that perhaps she is the wife of Obadiah. Uh, in further research and looking at things, I, I'm not quite sure I buy into that. Uh, we, we don't know for sure who this woman is. Obadiah was a great guy. He worked uh, for King Ahab, and he actually hid prophets in a cave. The Bible says up to 50 in each cave that he would hide uh, because of the persecution that was happening in that day. But regardless, what we do know is this woman says, my husband feared the Lord. 
My husband uh, was a spokesperson for God. He preached the word. He spoke what God would say to him. And now we're in financial trouble. And and that's not uncommon if you're a prophet, all right? Uh, Financial trouble. Uh, These guys would often be on the run, sometimes living in caves, sometimes just living out in a field. Uh, They didn't have much. They were persecuted. Uh, People uh, often did not like them, so they were unpopular. And and so public opinion would often be against them. And and so this woman is feeling all of this stress uh, because of this. And now there's the threat of her sons, which could happen in that day, Her sons would be taken, maybe as slaves, maybe to be sold as slaves, in order to pay her creditors. So she's in a desperate situation. I mean, humanly speaking, her situation seems pretty much impossible. It seems uh, horrendously challenging, unlike maybe some of our problems, you know, where we say, oh my gosh, my GPS took me the wrong way. I spent five extra minutes on the road. It's ridiculous. Or, you know, they put too much goat cheese on my salad. What is up with that? Or, you know, I only got, I posted this incredible picture. It took me forever to take it and to get the right filter, for goodness sakes. And I only got seven likes on it. And no one told me I was gorgeous. We all know better than that. Now, this woman says, they're going to take my two boys. They're going to take my two boys away from me. I I mean, this is like maybe somebody here today who says, my marriage might end this week. Or someone here today who would say, I am facing bankruptcy before the end of this year. Or perhaps a diagnosis of cancer that doesn't seem curable. And so you just feel the weight of what she's saying. And, and so she says, you know, my two boys, and, and you can just imagine, you, you love your kids, and, and she, could, they, she could see these two boys taken from her legitimately. In verse 2, you know, the prophet asks, what do you have in your house? And she says, your servant has, look at this, nothing there at all. You know, when she's asked, all she can think about is what she doesn't have. Do you see that? When she's asked, what do you have? Her answer is, I don't have anything. Nothing. See, we live in a culture where it's easy for us to compare ourselves to other people, right? We, we have a comparison culture. And, and so we can just go online and compare our kitchen. For goodness sake, I don't have granite countertops, you know, and everybody has granite countertops. Or I don't have, you know, a car like that. Or what are they doing back on the beach again? Toes up in the air and sunshine. What is that? 
And so we can compare ourselves over and over again. You know, I don't have a husband, and, you know, they're bragging on their husband. And I don't have enough money, and look at all the money they're spending. I don't have a nice house. I can't even host a life group. You know, I don't have something like that, and these people have such a nice house. I don't have a walk-in closet, or I do have a walk-in closet, but when I walk into it, I look around, and I have nothing to wear, Right? What do you have in your closet? What do you have in your... Nothing. I don't have anything. And today, what I want us to see are two things that will help us when you feel you don't have enough. When you feel you don't have enough or when you feel you aren't enough. Here's the first thing you need to do is stop underestimating what you do have. Stop underestimating what you have. In 2 Kings 4.2, she says, I don't have anything there at all. And then she says, except a small jar of olive oil. I mean, I can't even go on eBay, Elisha. And get some cash. My PayPal account is empty. And there is no way to fill it up. There's just, you know, and, and oil back in the day, you know, they'd use it for cooking. They would use it to burn in lamps. It could be used as medicine. It could be used as moisturizer. It, it was kind of like, you know, going to bed or bath and body works. Is that the name of it? And, uh, you know, my... My wife loves that place. And, and so I try to avoid it at all costs. But because uh, it can be a long time looking at little bottles. But, uh, but you, you, you can treat your leather with it so it lasts longer. And of course, we know too, if you've read the Bible, that they would anoint kings with oil. And so I had all different kinds of properties, all kinds of different uses. And so this woman says, you know, her first instinct is to minimize what she has left. And sometimes we get so overwhelmed by our scarcity, by what we don't have, that we underestimate what we do have. See that? She, she says, I don't have anything. And a prophet, nothing? Nothing. Don't have nothing. Uh, maybe you have two eyes today that still work and that you're able to see with. Maybe today you hear out of both ears what I'm saying from this stage. Maybe you walked in here with two feet and two legs under your own power. Maybe you got here in a vehicle that had air conditioning and heat today. Maybe you had somewhere that you were able to sleep last night that was softer than outdoors. And maybe, perhaps, you have more to be grateful for. Come on, somebody. Thanksgiving's coming. It's a wonderful time of the year to think about how blessed we really are, right? 
how blessed we really are. We are. And, and so you, you need to be thankful for what you do have. And, and so we've got a God, though, who specializes in the little, right? He specializes in the little, what we would call nothing. This story reminds me so much of a similar story to me of the disciples one day when Jesus has been preaching, and I mean, he's just been going on and teaching the people, and thousands of people are there, and, and the disciples are getting hungry, and one of them says, you go tell him it's, we're hungry. I'm not telling him that. You know, you tell him that. He's going forever. He's just going to keep on preaching if somebody doesn't stop him. And, and so finally, somebody says, hey, Lord, we're afraid people might pass out today if they don't get something to eat. We should maybe send the people away. And, and they put it off like the people are, are hungry. And Jesus says, well, give them something to eat. And they said, well, how are we supposed to do There's no Chick-fil-A anywhere around. There's nowhere we can go to reasonably feed Thousands of people. And even if we attempted to, they might only get a bite. And, and so what we should do, perhaps, one of them said, is we, we should send these people away. And Jesus says, well, and I notice this. Here's what he says. What do you have? You're, you're talking about what you don't have. You, all of you just talking, talking, talking. Uh, we don't have this. We don't have that. We don't have this. We don't. What do you have? And the Bible says that they said in Matthew, I think it is, where he says, well, we only have. You know, it's just a only. Well, only. See, some of us, we say, well, I only have this. I only have this car. I only live in this house. I only have this apartment. I only have these clothes. I only... But notice what, what's said in John. Pull that scripture up for me. Andrew comes up and he said, well, I'll tell you what. Here is a boy with five small, just so you know what, how they're described, right? These are not big loaves to feed 5,000 plus people. These are five small loaves, right? So he emphasizes small and two small fish. These are not big fish. These are small fish. So how far will they go among so many? See, he does what many of us do. He minimizes what he has and maximizes what he doesn't. See, some of us do that. We, we say, oh, I, I'm not much of a parent, or I, I can't, I, I'm not, I'll never be a, a great spouse, or I'll never be able to measure up to that person, or, that, or my parents, or whatever. You know, whoever it is. We compare ourselves all the time, don't we? And, and we say, well, what, what is what I have against so much need? And Jesus, you know the story. How many know the story? Jesus said, well, let's just set everybody down. And let's pass those fish out. And let's pass that bread out. And let's see what happens. And the Bible says he looked up to heaven and he blessed it. And he gave it to the disciples and they began to hand it out. And at the end of it, how many know? 
how many baskets, right? 12 baskets of leftovers. Every disciple had a whole basket full to show that disciple that God can do much with little. He's always been able to do much with little, and he can still do it today. And someone is here that if you'll just offer to God the small that you feel that it is, the little that you think that it is, God is a multiplier. He is a maximizer. He is a miracle worker of making more with a little. If you're not convinced yet, he came down and he says, Moses, I'm going to use you to lead these people out of Egypt. And Moses said, I don't know that I can do that. And God said, not what's in your house. Do you remember this story? But he says, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And Moses said, a stick. And God said, mm, it's more... It's more than that. See, some of us, we look at our talent. Some of us, we look at our abilities, and we say to other people, oh, I'm just a stick. I'm I'm insignificant. God can use other people, but I don't think he can use me. I, I don't know how God can use me. And he says to Moses, throw down that stick. And how many know what happened next? It turned into a snake. And which was miraculous, right? And then an even bigger miracle for me was he took a hold of the tail, right? That's the part I would have grabbed too, <laughs> just saying. And so when he grabbed the tail, it turned back into a stick. And one day Moses would take that stick and he would raise it up and locusts would fill the earth. He would raise it up and darkness would cover the earth. He would raise it up in the face of a sea and it would split before him. He would cause it to strike a rock and water would gush from it when they were dying of thirst. And I'm telling you today, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the small things that's in your hand, if God gets a hold of it, it can do anything. It can deliver a whole nation. And so we see in the story that, that she let go. She, she just had to, had to change her perspective. And I'm telling you, as we come into this miracle offering time, it's easy to say, oh, wow, $25,000. I wish I could write a check like that. Man, that would be so awesome. That would be so cool. Give $25,000 to save women like we saw on the screen. And we say, but look at what I have. That, that's not going to do much. $25,000? And I might be able to write a check for $100? See, you don't see the miracle of what happens when everyone lets go of their little bit, right? See, when everybody, and this happens every year when we come around this time, it's miraculous because of what God does with it. God multiplies it. God begins a miracle when we let go of what's in our hand. When we don't underestimate what we do have in our hands. So my question today is, as we face this miracle offering, is what are you going to build this year? Are you going to help us build a new 
uh, rescue mission in India because that's what we're going to do. And your 100, your 500, your 750, your $1,000, and there are people in here who could easily write a check for $2,500 or whatever. And here's my thing is just ask God to help you to see what you do have. Because this woman, she's looking at what she doesn't have. And it's holding her back from what God can do in her life. You know, some might say, well, I'm, I'm just not good up front. Well, then you could serve maybe behind the scenes. You could serve somewhere where hardly anybody even notices you. Nobody even sees you serving, but your impact is huge. How many know that when people put the lyrics up here on the screen, when people put the scriptures up here on the screen, that it's so beneficial to singing the song, right? And when you're like Second Kings, where is that? Where, you know, uh, where, where is that? You don't, you don't even have to worry about it because we put it up on the screen, right? How many know somebody hits the button? And, and you, you can serve in areas of the church. You don't, you don't have to be up on the stage in order to serve. You know, well, I, I don't make six figures. I, I wish, you know, I, I could do something bigger. Let me tell you something. If you're home six nights a week with your kids, you're flat out awesome. And you can make an impact on the next generation like maybe nobody else. Well, I don't have, you know, a lot of money and, 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 you know, when it comes to time to be generous, what, what do I do? Well, yeah, but you've got the ability to love your wife as Christ loved the church and make an impact on someone's life. See, stop overlooking the very thing that God might want to do a miracle through. God is about to do a miracle through something that you don't even think is worth mentioning. That you, you think, well, you know, I don't have anything. That's what she said. And, and if I were the enemy and I couldn't steal your oil, okay? Because here, here's the thing. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The enemy can't steal your gift. He can't steal your salvation. He can't steal those things from you. And, and so, it, but if I couldn't steal it, here's what I'd get you to do. I'd get you to minim, minimize it. To think, oh, well, that's, that's nothing. That, that's not much. Because then you won't use it. See, you'll you just sit on it. You'll just stay with it, and it'll stay in the house instead of being released to cause a miracle to happen. If I were the enemy and, and I couldn't steal your gift, I, I would just get you to think it's so small, so insignificant. It, it's like when Elijah prayed. We talked about this a, a while back when we talked about Elijah one time where he sent the servant, and he says, go see if it's about to rain. And the servant went out and looked, and he says, nope. And he says, well, go again. And the servant went out, and nope. And he says, well, go again. Go again. Seven times. And the seventh time he went out, he says, well, there's a cloud. 
but it's about the size of my hand. And Elijah said, it's about to pour. See, sometimes you despise the small thing. And you say, well, it's not much. It's not much. But let me tell you something. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You don't see it yet, but it's about to rain. And it may look like it's just a little bit of oil, but I'm telling you, God can do a lot with a little. And he's always specialized in it, and he still does today. Second thing is start using what you have. You give to God what you have, and you trust him to give you what you need. You stop waiting for what you want, and you start working with what you have. Look at this. In 2 Kings verse four, or chapter 4, verse 3, Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour the oil in the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped Flowing, She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. See, when you feel poor, you don't pour. It's true. See, when, when you feel poor as, as, a, as a parent, then it's hard to be your best parent. To, the, to your kids, right? Because you're like, well, I, I'm not good. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, they, they deserve more. Or, or when you feel like I, I'm not the spouse I need to be, then you, you don't act like the spouse that you need to be. Do you, does that make sense? Anybody resonating with that? Anybody live that kind of life or you've lived that kind of life where, where you just feel like I, I'm, I'm never going to be enough and so you aren't enough. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, yeah, that, that, that is how you act then. And, and see, depression can keep you from pouring what you have while you wait for what you want. And you feel like, well, you know, I, 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 I just feel like somebody ought to be pouring into me right now. You know, like pour me, pour on me, you know, because I, I need it. But let me tell you something, that's not how you get more. See, and you may be here and you say, well, Craig, I've been pouring into people and, and you know, they just don't appreciate me. Poor, poor, poor. I pour all the time. Well, let me tell you something. Don't do it for them. Stop doing it for them. Start doing it for him. Start doing it for his glory. Those people aren't your source anyway. God is your source. And so do it for his glory, for his honor, and for his name's sake. And God will bless what you have left. You see, here's how we think. Well, I'll pour more when I get more. 
Isn't that how we think? That's not how it works. That's never been how God works. God says, no, you pour out what you have, and then you'll get more. You start pouring, and it'll start flowing. I've seen this work in my own life. You know, when you're when you're feeling down or discouraged or, 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 you know, just depressed or whatever you want to call it, you feel sorry for yourself. And if you'll just go sit alone and sing a sad song and feel sorry for yourself, or I've done this, I've gone and found somebody else who needed lifting who needed encouragement. And I've gone to them, and I began to try to encourage that person. The first one always causes me to feel more depressed than what I already was. The second one, when I begin to pour out into somebody else, it's amazing how when I start to encourage them, I start getting encouraged. I start getting lifted up. The more I lift them, the more I get lifted. The more I encourage them, the more I get encouraged. The more I help them, the more I'm helped. Anybody with me on that? And so it's amazing how it does as you begin to reach out and help others. And so it's as you pour it out and, and then God fills it. The empty jars, it didn't matter what color they were. It didn't matter what shape, what size. It could be a milk jug, honey jar, coffee can, butter tub. God can use anything to pour out his oil in. And the key is they had to be empty jars. He says, bring the empty one. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, let's look at this as we wrap this up. Here's what Paul says about this. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, it isn't about you anyway. It isn't about what you have or you don't have We're just jars, and the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he is more than enough to compensate for what you don't have. Over and over, I've seen this in my own life. There are so many times when I have felt inadequate, and that was just last week, okay? It's all right if I'm honest up here. Don't leave me up here by myself, though. Some of you felt that way last week. And and you just feel like, I'm not enough. But when his power, his presence, his anointing fills your vessel, I'm telling you, he is more than enough. He is all you need. I may not have all I have, but I have all I need. And all I need is him. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm hungry, he's my bread of life. When I am thirsty, he is the living water. When there is darkness, he is the light. When I am lost, he is the way, the truth, and the life. When I am unstable, he is my rock, the single stone in the hand of a teenage boy in the face of a giant is enough 
to bring him to the ground when God is in it. And if you'll just let go of what little you feel like you do have, God will fill you with all that he is in all of the power and anointing of his Holy Spirit. If you believe that, give him about five seconds of shouting right now, all right? Just shout. Thank you, Lord. Here's, here's the way Jesus put it, and then we're going to pray. He said, I'm telling you, if you just have a mustard seed of faith. See, isn't it? Over and over, this principle in the Bible. It, oh, if I had great faith, Pastor. Oh, I'm telling you, devil be in trouble. I'm telling you, he's in trouble with a mustard seed of faith. Because Jesus said, if you just have as much as a mustard seed size faith, you can say to this mountain of whatever it is, and he's not talking about changing the geography of the earth. How many know that? He's talking about the mountain of cancer, the mountain of heart disease, the mountain of a messed up marriage, the mountain of kids that have lost their way. He's talking about a mountain of debt that you don't seem to be able to get over. He's talking about mountains in this life, and he says you can speak to that mountain. Get out of the way. And with just a mustard seed of faith, it has to. See, today, all it takes is what you've got. That's all God's looking for. He's not looking for what you don't have. He says, what's in the house? What's in the house? What's in your hand? What do you have? Not what don't you have. What do you have? Because if you'll start using that, it's amazing how the boss will recognize it. It's amazing how your spouse will recognize it. It's amazing how God will multiply it and begin to use it to cause an amazing effect in your house, in your home, in your community, in this church, if you just let go. Father, we today want to offer our empty vessel to you. <laughs> it, it may not seem like much to us, but in your hands, you can do anything. So God, we offer what we have. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I think I've been more focused on what I don't have than what I do have. I think I've been more focused on how God can use other people or, or I've been comparing myself to others and what it's done. Instead of building me up, it's, it's kind of it's caused me to...